about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hype right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it, and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it go. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth That's time on the mat, we put in the work, believe it ain't easy, I know But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll Welcome to episode 38 of the BJJ Campaign Podcast My name is Jeff Boone, I'm an A3, blue belt, two stripes This is Phil Kors, A2, blue belt, one stripe so, Philly, this past weekend, we had a great time at Toro Cup 14 to benefit yes, the Divini family. Uh, raised quite a bit of money for them. That was a, a great cause and a um, wonderful tournament. 38 matches in all. Yes. Bunch of women's matches, bunch of men's matches, bunch of black belt matches. And we also had the opportunity to talk to, what, seven or eight? Black belts? Believe eight. Yeah. More, on, more on that later in the episode. Yeah. No, that was cool. Um, Jeremy had a cool match. Jeremy Rell. That's yeah. uh, very quick. Um, like, that was so fast, I didn't even know what happened. But, yeah. Then, um, uh, Corby and Meow's match was the opposite, very long. And uh, it was cool to see. Yeah, world champion uh, Jao Miao with DeAndre Corby for the Toro World Cup. World, World Cup? Cro- yeah, World right title. Place. What are they, lightweight? Middleweight? Whatever they are. Lightweight, probably. Lightweight, Championship. I think. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, great match. Um, bunch of great matches, too. A lot of finishes. Um, and what one of the things I really enjoyed about the entire weekend was going up and training on Friday night with the folks at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu there where Toro Cups was held. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I am so bad at takedowns. You and I both at judo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Not good. Brandon was super patient with yeah, us. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. That you. was required. In, I think that he, him and Pete both saw that it was a remedial class yeah. that they were yeah. dealing with. When I say remedial, I being very liberal in that, and that maybe first day judo class. It looks one way when he does it, and it looks another when I do it. Right when he does it, wrong when we do it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. Though. Molly made the comment that it looks like some dance or whatever. He's like, yeah, it's very similar. The body movements were some dance steps or whatever with the turning. And I was like, well. Yeah, you're a horrible I'm dancer. I'm over two. So my <laughs> <laughs> so Phil, so my. Uh, got to um, got to meet Andrew Faraday uh, there. For those that aren't familiar with Andrew, he's doing a documentary. Um, we posted on our uh, Facebook group page, which the group is now open mm-hmm. to the public. So check us out on Facebook there, the Facebook group uh, BJJ Campaign Podcast. Yeah, and, and that um, match we were talking about, too, was posted with um, uh, Daniel Frank's commentary, which is helpful because uh, I enjoyed watching the match anyway, but I only know what I know, obviously. Um, so getting Black Belt's high-level commentary that kind of is able to break it down. A couple jokes in there as well, obviously, but uh, 
you know, kind of let you know what's coming, what to look for and all that is nice. And that was the um, championship match, the uh, Jiao Miao and um, DeAndre Corby. Right, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so you get a little taste of the, the quality of work that Andrew Faraday does just by watching that that match. It's an unbelievable camera work. And, um, and so just to kind of go on about the fight game, he's doing a, he's doing a documentary. He's interviewing a ton of fighters. I mean, I've seen Marcus Davis on there. I've seen, um, Derek Brunson, so many, so many, and a lot of, you know, world famous former UFC fighters, current UFC fighters. I thought it was very interesting. So support goes out to him for that. I don't know when it's going to be out, but, um, but he's still in the, in the uh, interview and filming process of that. So, um, anything else that stood out to you about Toro Cup fourteen? I don't think so. I think it was another fun trip. I still think that's the best like spectator jujitsu you can watch, where you're seeing good matchups one after the other. All the attention's on it. Um, it's a lot better, in my opinion, than just going to a local tournament where you're got like eight different matches all going at once and you got to wait five hours to see the one you want to see kind of thing yeah i mean that is what it is this obviously isn't an open one to everybody it's more set up for spectators than those but um yeah if you've never been to seen like competition jujitsu i would strongly because it's for a good cause anyway but you know if you're just interested in the jujitsu portion i'd recommend trying to get out there to watch one because it's the best way to watch it in my opinion yeah absolutely well worth the ten dollar entry fee and also you know, those matches, even though Bagels made it sound easy, I know that, that the quality of matches that he puts together is incredible. And without somebody with his knowledge of the of the scene, both local and not local, you know, all over the, the North, South Carolina, Virginia area, um, it's, it's just incredible. Some really, really well thought out, great matches. So next we're going to talk about uh, an article that we posted on the uh, group page, which is, how to be a good black belt. No, not black belt. No, not that one. They're all good. Black yeah. belts are all good. <laughs> uh, how to be a good blue belt. And uh, it was written by a pretty good black belt. Yeah. John Danaher. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Phil, let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you, what do you think makes a good bl- a blue belt? Uh, I do agree with a lot of what he said towards the end of the article about just kind of keep showing up. Um, trying to refine everything. Um, I find that the more different things I play with, uh, I'll just get frustrated because I can't get to where I want to get anyway and it kind of comes right back to the fundamentals every time because I can't do anything I want to do until I figure those out, you know. So it's like I wanted to try to do like daily Hiva stuff and I can't get there, you know. Like it doesn't matter, right, if I can't get to the position I'm trying to get into all the extra stuff I'm drilling over here it never comes up because people are just past my guard immediately so it's like you need that fundamental guard retention first if that's not there then it doesn't matter and you know and if I try to work on anything on top if I can't sweep anybody from closed guard because that's where I am the majority of the time or I can't get on top any other way all the other stuff isn't going to matter you know yeah so it for me it kind of keeps coming back there. So I think the refining thing is is a big deal, um, and just keep keep on showing up to do all that stuff. Uh, I agree with him on the some of the other stuff, um, like staying after clean and help where you can. And we 
believe we try to do that stuff to the best of our abilities as far as kids classes greeting new people and that stuff would be in a good blue belt but that's also just good person good good any belt right yeah it's kind of white belt good and and I thought it was interesting. I, I think it's interesting he gravitated towards the technique because he says kind of like um, have a knowledge of the fundamentals, sort of, but not a mastery. Obviously, there's no mastery right. in any of the techniques that we're performing, yeah. uh, uh, except your Kimura when you let it go. Yeah, um, but but uh, but I I really did that. That struck a chord is to that whenever he said you know that you're contributing to the overall positivity of the environment of the academy. And again, I don't think that's exclusive to good blue belt. I think that's a good, I think that's everyone in the academy is, is facilitating that. You know, someone new walks in the door, like you said, you greet them, uh, maybe even work with them that day. And, and whenever you're, you know, going through the fundamental techniques, Maybe not concentrate so much on the on correcting the technique itself as to getting the getting the overall positions. Maybe point out where there's you know some of the fundamental movements, whether it be a shrimp, whether it be a standing base, whatever your fundamental techniques are. And I think whenever you're paired up with that new person, just making sure they're having fun. Yeah. You know, not take it too serious. Laugh. Like I was paired up with someone new um, Monday. And, uh, and she signed up actually, but, um, she started laughing and she's like, Oh, is it okay if we laugh? I'm like, not only is it okay, it's <laughs> pretty much expected that, yeah. you know, you're going to laugh when you screw it up. You're going to laugh whenever you do it right. You know, there's, there's a lot, lot about jujitsu that's fun and make sure, just make sure that those new people know that jujitsu is fun. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's it's funny. Yeah, that, yeah that it is funny. funny. Yeah, I could see what I could see like when you go back to the first because I remember I thought everybody was gonna be an asshole when I first started. You know, I had no idea. You thought um, it was gonna be Cobra Kai when we walked in there. Percent, you know. So I was like <laughs> trying to figure it out, but no. Every, again, everybody's cool, obviously. But that's a funny question. I could see why they would ask it. That makes me laugh. It, it does make <laughs> you laugh. It makes you think, right? You know, because I, I mean, I'm smiling the whole time because I'm having fun. You know, yeah. so it's not like it's not like. Uh, I'm quite that serious whenever we we and do I, that. And I, I remember what I was going to say. Now, I, I uh, meant a comment to somebody on the uh, Purple Belt for the Sunday Rolls. And I said, I like it when you come because it kind of gives more legitimacy to what we're doing to have more upper belts at this open mat event that we have, you know. And I think that's good. And I could see, you know, blue belts are going to be a lot more common than purple, brown, and black. So I think it's important as one of the colored belts to try to be you know, you're going to be more accessible than all the rest of them, and there's just going to be more of you. Um, sure. For trying to make the new people feel as welcome as possible, because it happens all the time. Like, I see fundamental stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not good at this. Like, I, I'm not really going to be too much help in correcting your actual technique, but, you know, I can get you in the ballpark for, like, close to how I'm doing it poorly, you know, but you're going to be much better than... You know, obviously, somebody's never seen it before, so that's that goes a long way and is important. Yeah, for sure. And two, whenever you're partnered up with that new person, just just let them know and identify because, right, a lot of these techniques we've seen how many times? Twelve. Twelve, fifteen, maybe twenty times. Who knows? Depending on how many classes you've gone to, I think I've gone to like 
600 and some OR classes. So that's, you know, that's quite a few of the techniques over and over and just let them know and identify with them and say, Hey, yeah, I totally forgot what we were even doing several times whenever I first started. So don't feel like you have to yeah. get everything right away. Now that also, you know, coupled with maybe give them the suggestion of, Hey, it's, you know, I wish I would have known whenever I started to look at my BJJ notes or some other note taking, um, way for, for documenting your kind of campaign, uh, and documenting the, the moves, techniques as you learn again, to, to kind of look back on, refine and, and laugh at whenever, <laughs> whenever at all possible. Whenever yeah. And trying it. to make people realize like you're not supposed to know anything. Right. Like none of it seems natural when you're explained, like when it's explained to you. So if you've only been there a month, nobody's expecting you to know anything because it takes 50 years to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Nobody thinks you know yeah, Maybe longer. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and two, on that, in that, on the same note, also kind of, um, it's not teaching the technique, but teach them the etiquette that is around what we do. You know, explain to them why that person with more experience does the move first whenever you are in a fundamentals and, and taking a class. And, and that reason is because hey, they're probably more likely to know it and get it closer to right, you know, than, than not. So explaining that etiquette to them, not that they're going to remember all that stuff, but but it just lays a good foundation for um, them being successful at whatever their goals are in jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, the other thing that he mentioned was, uh, besides the consistency, which I think is a, a huge part of it, is, uh, you know, help coach the kids, right? If, if yeah. you know, we know that in, in our academy, there's, there's a big kids program and it's, you know, you need a lot of people on the mat and it's not like you're, you know, giving them technique advice, maybe a little, right? But, but it's more or less making sure the kids don't get hurt, right? Yeah. Making sure they're trained properly, making sure that, you know, they're not too out of line while still having fun, you know? Same thing as the adults. Um, have fun. Don't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. To figure it out. That's it. And also, you know, we said it before, and I'll say it again, and that is that, that just just being there to kind of watching that third person, uh, the techniques, you learn so much about the techniques yeah. as you're going through it. Yeah, you really do. It's selfishly for me help helping with the kids classes has made a big impact on my jujitsu i think in ways i'm still kind of figuring out the more the more time i spend around it and then kind of reflect on like what's happening with stuff i'm trying i'm seeing a lot of lot of little things pop up all over the place outside of just the technique that i'm picking up that i might not have seen before or whatever yeah no no doubt i mean 100 percent. that's what it's that exposure, right? You get that more exposure. You're, you're seeing the techniques, you know, especially you Phil. you go to, you go to sometimes all three of the kids classes. I generally only make the, the last kids class, but, yeah. uh, but you know, seeing that, that technique over and over again, it has to kind of trigger something in your mind. To well, that remember. does it, but there, I think too, I noticed I, once Bagel said it when we were talking to him, that, 
I think triggered me realizing it was like in the class, I'm never just walking around and just watching, standing up, third person, like like bird's eye view down. Yeah. I'm always doing it or having it done to me. Right. The only time I'm watching is when John or whoever is instructing. Right. You know? So with the kids, and it's I don't think it's so much whether I'm trying to teach technique or I'm just watching, but spending all that time around techniques that I already quote unquote know, you know, looking down, watching where things are failing, what people are struggling with, because it's all the same stuff, because I'll come back and I'll notice four people had the same problem. Or four kids had the same problem. But it's always that same like view is different, you know, and in the technique portion and in the sparring, I think it's made a difference in just things I've noticed, where positions come up, where people are getting stuck and just, you see a lot of different things. And for me, I didn't even realize I was seeing them for months before it kind of clicked. And I think him saying that was something that like triggered putting those two thoughts together in my head, which was cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And another thing about um, being a good blue belt, or again, I think any belt, I don't think this any of this stuff is exclusive to blue belts, and that is um, being a good training partner, right? Uh, the new white belt that walks in, don't, you know, don't smash them. You know, be a good training partner and let them protect yourself, obviously, but uh, but make sure that you're you're putting the appropriate level of force and, and everything just like you would, again, at any other belt level as well. Uh, that goes along with not just the lower belts, but also with the upper belts, you know, for, <laughs> for, you know, and, it, and it's harder with some of the upper, upper belts, you know, the, the Lees, the Ryans or anything like that. But, but whenever you're training with them, you know, obviously they're going to submit you don't don't tap right whenever they get into the submission because you know what's going to happen right I mean you know what's going to happen but uh, I never forget like Ryan legs whenever he had this I think it was a bow and arrow he's going going for some some joke or something and I was I was uh, pre tapping yeah right that's terrible you should never pre tap you shouldn't hold your hand up like you're getting ready to tap you should always be defending or tapping <laughs> right not not pre-tapping but um and that kind of made me aware of it and and so and i'm folks i'm not saying in an arm bar wait till the last minute to do that no be safe in your training but but you know also first off they're ne the the upper belts are never going to rip that arm bar i've never had one even come close to ripping an arm bar and and you know Try the hitchhiker escape, a late escape, if you want to make sure that they're doing it. They're gonna, they're gonna catch it. They're gonna, you know. But it also gives you an opportunity to try your late escapes against someone who's way better than you. Yeah. Right. To refine that technique. Right. Say, hey, what did I do wrong there? After you tap, what if, what did I do wrong there? Yeah. Practice. Yeah. Or I'm just better at arm bars than you are escaping. That might be the answer too. Oh no! I mean, you just get the practice of trying the hitch. Like you're not gonna get out, but you're gonna. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna. And they're not gonna hurt you. Yeah. I mean, that, like, like I said, there's, that's, that's the that's being comfortable with your training partners and knowing. Yeah, I think those the, again, those are the better people to try it with because they're hundred percent gonna have the control over the position where, 
they don't, you know, the person who's going to panic rip your arm is the one who doesn't know or isn't comfortable in the position and feels you escaping. So they're going to start pulling harder and just trying to like finish the arm bar. I had a conversation about that the other day when they were asking about the escape or whatever. And I was like, you know, I possibly could have saved it, but I had lost all control of the position. And I, that's kind of what I'm after is I should be able to control the arm bar first and then put on the submission versus trying, like, I know I'm losing it, so let me crank on the arm real hard, you know, and see if I can salvage it when that's not the purpose of training. The purpose of training is for control of the position, right? So yeah. that's who's going to be... position, submission. That's, that's going to be good. And doing that is going to be, you know, the higher the belt, theoretically, the better they should be at that. So you should be able to try your escapes from there, and they should have control. I mean... Yeah, and, and you know, just like an example of that too, someone with a lower belt at Sunday Rolls, you know, um, I was rolling with Yona and and she got her in an arm bar and she tapped. And I said, yeah, that's fine, but try the, try the, uh, try the hitchhiker escape. Right. Well, but I don't, you know, I don't want to get hurt. And I said, well, first off, I'm not ever going to rip that and no one, and that was the day that was, yeah. I think she was only white belt, and then it was all blue belts and purple belt there. And I said, nobody in this room is going to is going to hurt your arm if you try the hitchhiker escape. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody in this room. Be aware that if you're going against another white belt, maybe that's not the perfect one to try it on for the reasons that you you pointed out. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I think that's I think that's important too, and it's it's certainly a way to make your own jujitsu a lot better. Agreed. What else? Anything else on that, Philly? Uh, it kind of talks about reasons people quit, but I think that's just a longevity issue. Probably something comes up kind of thing for most people, I would assume. Because he kind of covers, touches on things like feeling like you're good enough in a street fight situation that you should oh, be yeah. able to like handle yourself, you know. Uh, so he talks about the mastery is and the way I read it was, you know, you basically you're going to be good enough for the majority of your self-defense situations. Sure. Um, and then in the gym, you're not going to, like, your mastery level is, is going to be essentially good enough against brand new people or what have you is how I take it. Um, and that's so why they quit. It kind of gets boring. Oh. That is what I could see. Because that's what happened to my friend Scott is essentially he got hurt, like, doing something stupid, like broke his collarbone. And... Uh-huh. He had done like karate his whole life or whatever growing up. Flying armbar, F- flying armbar, flying triangle. But I've seen him attempt to play basketball, so I'm sure he's flying. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much he was flying, but uh, yeah. So his line of thinking is like he's good enough in a street fight or whatever to where he should he would self defense situation would be fine, and I think the challenge of trying to climb in the gym for him got old you know what I mean like cause that that progress is gonna slow down I mean I I, I understand that line of thinking it's not something cause personally I don't ever see myself getting in a street fight no ever you, no, you know I mean, what I mean I mean yeah. if, if, if it comes it's great that I'm prepared believe me I, I like doing the self defense I think it's valuable but I just I I don't see that. I'm I don't do jujitsu for that reason. You know? 
do it for the art of it and getting better and learning and, and staying in shape and and being stimulated mentally and physically. Yeah, and if you're focused on yourself, that's fine. But he did a lot of competition thing, uh, competitions and whatnot. So my assumption is the fact that you're not easily progressing like you were when you were starting out, right? And there were people who don't train very often. And then there were new people. And you would see yourself making progress and able to do things against brand new people and people who don't train a lot. But I think after there's a certain point in time where you then have to challenge yourself to try stuff you're not good at in training and try to get good at that against people who don't train a lot. Because people who are already better than you and train consistently, you're not catching them. You know? Or you have to make it up in other areas somehow. Well, you have to make it up by being more consistent, right? I mean, that's how you make it up is instead of doing two to three classes a week, if that person who's better than you are doing two to three classes a week, you have to do five or six classes a week. So I think that... I think what can happen in people's heads is as that progress meter kind of becomes harder to read because you're not seeing jumps anymore and it's just a slow climb, you know, I think that is what deters a lot of people. And then they'll just say like, oh yeah, well, I mean, against all the new people and in a self-defense situation, I'm confident that I'd be able to handle this situation, you know, and I don't need to worry about like training and getting hurt and all that stuff. And then you'll hear all those excuses, but I think if somebody was training a lot and then slows down, I think that would be a big reason. Yeah, no, no, I can see that. And I can see that injury type thing because, you know, whenever you come back, guess what? That person who was close to you is going to be better than you if if you're out for six weeks, right? Not not so much better if you keep coming in, keep watching class, keep thinking. Another thing that he said was study outside of jujitsu. I think it was a little bit of marketing on his part saying study uh, DVDs or, yeah. or digital material, right? I mean, you know, he's got to have yeah. his little uh, plug in there for the, the marketing. I don't I don't blame him. I don't begrudge him of, of that. But he's right. I mean, you know, they're especially like, you know, I've, you know, I've been working on that, uh, that Dale Heva a lot. I really like that position. I think it's one that suits me. And, uh, and so, you know, I'll, I'll watch videos specific to the daily Hiva stuff and kind of mentally break down the position. It doesn't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember the moves, but I'm, I'm going to remember the concepts. Right. And that's, that's what I'm talking about on studying jujitsu. And I will, I'll give Dan a plug. I mean, his enter the system, you know, we've got that uh, leg lock enter the system for him and giving the rationale behind it and the concepts behind it is invaluable for the defense of it. As well. I mean, you know, it's a leg locks, while while hard to master and hard to defend against somebody at a very high level, they they are are fairly, it's a fairly easy concept for defense for someone who doesn't have that high level of mastery in the leg locking game. You know, so so seeking that, seeking that external, uh, you, you know, obviously you can ask your professor to open mat, you know, talk to them. I think also that something that he left out and should have been placed in there is that whenever, you know, whenever I got my blue belt, and I think I've shared this before, you know, I, I sent John, our professor, a note saying, Hey, here's what, here's what my goals are at blue belt. And one of those goals was to, to, uh, well, actually a couple of them around here, which was, was really, really study and deepen, my knowledge of the fundamentals 
and to also help more with the kids program. I mean, so I think you have to identify those goals clearly to your professor because guess what? Those goals may have, may have been off. And if I would have said something like, I want to, you know, get a killer leg lock system in my game. And he's, you know, and then he would, John in his own very nice way saying it would told me that was probably not the right thing to do, you know? Uh, but to get that feedback, to make sure that you're not, uh, you're not spending time on stuff that could be better spent somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know? Thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. I mean, you can tell them. Um, I also, like I said earlier, I think it's a self-correcting thing. If you're trying to do stuff outside your wheelhouse or whatever you want to call it, I can try to do all the fancy guard stuff I want. People stand up and pass my guard immediately. It is not going to matter. If I can't escape side control, it is not going to matter. I mean, that's... I think Jocko said it once or whatever when people were like, you know, didn't like the word basics or whatever, but liked the word fundamentals, you know, and I think it gets a bad rap because it just seems like... You've it's seen not it, basic. You know it, it is fundamental. Though. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what it ended up being was him saying something along the lines of "Oh, basics are dumb," but yeah, you got to know your fundamentals. You know, like that. So, I I feel like it can get a bad rap where people just they just want to see new stuff and try new stuff. But like again, there's a reason that there's the thirty class fundamentalist or whatever, and it's there's still stuff that I feel like I've spent time drilling in the class and I've seen it and I'm not ready to see it after a year and a half or whatever it's been that I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's in the fundamentals program? Weird. Let, let's give a for example. The back take from Half Guard. I was like, that's not a fundamental program. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I had no so idea. so diplomatic too. I had no idea, but yeah, I was trying, you know, I, of course I come to him with a problem in one area, which is just that my head is always down and I seem to end up here, you know, and he asked, well, how do you get here? And I gave him one example because there's many of why I end up in that stupid position. And he's like, oh, okay, well. And know. just to clarify for the audience, it was, it was the back take off of a half guard position, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. you're doing the underhook, getting the underhook, you know, taking the back and ending up in that uh, bad position from that, from not doing it correctly, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll end up. Anyway, so, you know, and he was like, oh, how do you do that? And I showed him the way I was taking people's back with big quotation marks around that. And, uh, Air quotes. and he gave me, gave me a couple pointers and like five or six of the steps along the way, all of them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I was feeling pretty good about that. But it turns out I was doing all that wrong. And then a week later, whatever, it comes up in the fundamentals class. And I was like, oh, that's a fundamental move, you know? So, again, all the positions are covered but i feel like you start to feel like you've seen it all and you want to move on to other stuff but you don't need it you know like that's the fastest way if you just do those things it's the easiest way to most efficient way to finish a grappling situation agreed makes me laugh agreed and guess what all those flashy things are fun to watch and i'll you know hey guilty i'll go down that rabbit hole and i'll sit there for an hour watching that stuff on, you know, YouTube or wherever. But you're right. That fundamentals is where it comes back to. So, well, it's, and it's funny too, because Ryan will be the one who's the most blunt about it with me. 
you know, and I'll tell him what I'm working on and I explain why. And then he really politely goes, well, it's because you suck. It's or like, sarcastically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, and it's not saying that, but if I wasn't so bad in the first place, right. I wouldn't be trying to do all these workarounds to issues in my grappling. Like it's, <laughs> it's, I'm just trying to come up with a more creative solution because I'm not good at the one I'm supposed to be doing. That's kind of what it always kind of keeps coming back to, you know, it's, and it's like Charlie last night was saying, he's like, well, he was asking me why I was switching grips when I'm on someone's back. And I'm like, well, if they're bigger than me and they just go to this side, I was like, I can't get them back over, you know? And I just switched grips and started attacking the other side. And that's working pretty good for me. You know what works better? Doing it the right way and using both legs and bringing them back over the other side. It's way better. better. I'm yeah. doing this whole elaborate hand switch scenario that doesn't always work when there's a simple two-step process of using both of your legs to push the guy back over to the other side. And continue, way, yeah. and continue attacking the, the grip you already have. Like, I already have a grip in there. I don't need to try to make a new one, you know? But, again, it just comes back to me not being good. So I'm trying to come up with these creative solutions as a workaround. So what Brian was saying is if you weren't so bad, you would be good. Exactly. Stop being bad and do it correctly. <laughs> You'll have no problem. Great advice. That's black belt advice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very good. Well, I think we covered that again. If, if uh, the audience wants to take a look at it, we do have it posted on the uh, BJJ Campaign podcast group. Uh, now, let's get back to what we're going to put out in our next episode, episode 39 the bjj campaign podcast phil so we'll do a quick introduction on the beginning of that one too so it's like an entire episode within itself but yeah really excited for that one it's um i should have counted but i'm 99 sure it's eight black belts that we asked the same three questions to um just general advice about jiu-jitsu and because it was a general open-ended question they could take it in the direction that they wanted to um and what was important to them or they think is important for you to know um, applies to all levels. It's never going to get old. It's all super great advice. I feel like um, if we were smart, you could charge a million dollars for it because there's so much good advice in there, but it's... Uh, we're not that smart. It's going to be awesome. I so, mean, we're making plenty of money on this podcast as it is. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we make zero money. Negative money is what we make. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, get to, we got to interview World Champ, yeah. Zhao Miao, thanks to Gerardo. Gerardo, thanks for not letting him uh, escape. Yes, that was uh, good. The, uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, and DeAndre Corby, among others. I don't want to list all the names now. I want you guys to get excited about it and, and listen up next week because I think it's going to be a great, great episode. I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot that that there was somewhat of a consistency in some of the the answers that were given, yeah. right? I mean, so that that to me is not great advice. It's super great advice. It's like that's the stuff that that should be. All right, let's follow this tenant just like we do grips, position, submission. You know, our our conceptual stuff. So, so yeah, looking uh, really looking forward to, to yeah, that I'm, out. I'm I don't have all the details about everybody, but I, they're all black belts, so I'm, and I don't think any of them really new black belts. I'm pretty sure. All of them have been doing jiu-jitsu for at least 10 years or longer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's 
really, really solid stuff, and it was exciting. It was fun to it was fun to listen to all the different answers. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one going out because I think it's one that I'll listen to a, more than a few times. Agreed. No, agreed. I, I I was I was really excited and honored. Thank you, uh, thank you to uh, Bagels, uh, making it possible to kind of set up that that meet with um, with Chow. And also thank you to Boomer at at uh, at the Toro Cup. I mean, those guys allow us to, you know, run rough shot over there and just do anything we want with with regards to recording podcasts, getting folks out of there. They're always so hospitable about you know just take whatever space you you need. Uh, you know, the audio just a warning: we're at the Toro Cup, so it's yeah. not the cleanest audio, but that that's okay. There's the content. So worth it. Yeah, yeah, content <laughs> certainly outweighs the audio issues, but, but, uh, very good. Looking forward to that. I hope uh, you guys are too. Philly, tell them how to support the BJJ campaign podcast. If they so choose. BJJ campaign podcast.com, facebook.com slash BJJ campaign podcast. And, uh, join the group. That's where all the, uh, the memes are happening. Um, YouTube, uh, BJJ campaign podcast, Instagram, same thing and iTunes and all that other good stuff, as always, and share uh, with your friends if one episode kind of reminds you of somebody. Um, that usually happens to me. I'll usually send Jeff or whoever a podcast when I pop up and see a good one, and I'm like, yeah, you should probably check this out. For sure. Like, subscribe, leave us a review. Um, all those things help. Um, and we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you listening. We're, uh, we're trying to grow this thing, so help us do that. And... If you're not out there doing something better with yourself each and every day, get out there and do it. Phil and I choose jiu-jitsu. We hope you do too. I'm about to feed them to the sharks right now. Get them hyped right now. Yeah. You know the ground is up. Yeah. Everybody that trains, you know the game. Yeah. So let's get it. Uh. Slap it up, bump it and roll. Hey. Yeah, that's the way that it goes. Ain't no better way to better yourself in this game, you're feeling the growth. That's time on the mat, we put in the work. Believe it ain't easy, I know. But we train for the love of the game, the love of the art. Now slap it up, bump it, let's roll.